We're going to go to Ephesians 6, and we're in a series called Stand Firm. It's about the full armor of God. Uh, so far, we're in week three. We've gotten through one weapon, and we're going to try to get through a couple more tonight. Uh, but Paul, in this scripture, gives us some weapons for when we're in a fight. And um, we're going to read here a few verses. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. We've learned, by the way, that that means to receive strength. It's not be strong like toughen up. It's like receive the strength of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers in this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Everyone say, stand firm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There, in addition, take on the shield of faith and with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then we're going to look at this one as well, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and take on the helmet of salvation. So we're going to try to get through a couple more of these weapons tonight. And uh, this is week three of Stand Firm. Holy Spirit, speak now. Our hearts are open. Our faith is high and we are expecting for a word tonight. So speak. I'm, I'm really believing, God, that tonight you'd give answers and that we would leave this place saying, I heard from God, I have clarity, and I know where I'm going. That's my prayer tonight. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen and amen. So we've been learning that we can stand firm. Um, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, no matter the season, we can stand. That we don't have to lose ground in a fight, but that we can remain right where we are and that we've been learning that there is this thing called the day of evil. That's what Paul is highlighting here in Ephesians 6, that there is a day of evil. It's the, it's the day the devil gets your number. Amen. <laughs> it's the day he knocks on your door. You know, the, the enemy is not omnipresent. So he can't be everywhere at all times. But there are times that in your life, the warfare intensifies. In, in your life, the fight intensifies. It's like, man, I feel like I'm in a fight. If you feel it, it's probably happening. You're, you, for whatever reason, you're in your day of evil. But we've learned that the day of evil comes and the day of evil goes and you can stand firm. And so even if the enemy knocks on your door, faith can answer. If discouragement knocks on your door, faith can answer. If depression knocks on your door, faith can answer. If sickness and disease knocks on your door, faith will answer. If uh, no matter what it is, you can stand in life, you can stand firm, and you can outlast any attack of the enemy. Can I hear an amen? And so we have, we have defined the day of evil like this. It is when the devil speaks into a circumstance in your life to separate you from God, to discourage you, to tempt you, and to distract you. So the day of evil is not just that, that feeling of, man, I feel like I'm under attack. Man, I'm really struggling. It, the day of evil could be a good idea that isn't a God idea. It could be a good opportunity that isn't a God opportunity. It could be, it could be a temptation that is disguising itself as an opportunity. It, it could be a good thing, but it isn't a great thing. It could be, it could be the, 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 the thing that makes the most sense in the natural, 
but requires no faith. So the day of evil is not just, oh man, I'm in a spiritual fight. It could also just be the enemy offering you comfort instead of destiny. (laughs) And y'all, we love comfort. So we buy comfortable blankets, we buy comfortable beds and comfortable chairs and comfortable clothes and we eat comfort food and yet your destiny isn't always going to be comfortable, it's going to stretch your faith and it's going to, it's going to take you beyond and it's going to be scary but it's going to be God. Yeah. And so more than the enemy causing circumstance, he speaks into circumstance. And so God gives us seven weapons in the text. He gives us truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word, and praying in the spirit. And we're going to try to get through a few more of these tonight. So I want to look at the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. And I'm connecting these two because they really kind of fall under the same thing and, and end up having kind of the same effect. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie these two together, and then we're going to look at the shoes of peace after that. But the breastplate of righteousness, I want to start here in Proverbs 4. Did you come to learn tonight? Yes. Proverbs 4.23, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Huh? The old King James says, guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows the issues of life. Okay. So above all. So I guess if God wants to say this is top priority, it should probably be our top priority. Yeah. Above all, guard the affections of your heart, because whatever's coming in is going to flow out. So we have to be very careful in the day of evil to protect our heart. We have to be very careful in the day of evil to protect what's coming in, the voices we're allowing to speak, because whatever you're allowing to come in will eventually flow out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you understand this, but you you need to get this in your spirit. You don't see things as they are. You see things as you are. (laughs) You don't see life as it is. You see life as you is. That's my GED coming out, but it sneaks out every once in a while. Most Most of your fights with your spouse have nothing to do with your spouse. All right, I will preach. It didn't have to do with the trash. It didn't have to do with, 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 the, with the shaving in the, in the sink. It didn't have to do with the toothpaste being pressed from the wrong part. It didn't have... Because mm. you, spe- you don't see your spouse as they are. You see them as you are. So you have to guard your heart because the judgments you are making have very little to do with the people in your life and have very much to do with what you're allowing in. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, they were, they were rude to me at Target. They, they probably weren't. You were probably projecting. Well, I feel like Dr. Phil that tonight. I feel like Oprah. You get a car, you get a car. Okay, so I feel good. Have you ever, have you ever been, uh, all the parents, you walk in through Target with your kid and they start acting up? And you feel every eye on you? And you get really uncomfortable? But you shouldn't be. Because everyone looking at you is a parent as well. And we're not looking at you with judgment. We're looking at you like, I get it. 
I'm sorry. We're praying for atheists will be like in the name of Jesus. We stretch forth our hand in prayer. The other night we were having dinner with Brandon and Haley and Archie was being a two-year-old. And so they were so uncomfortable because we were in a nice restaurant. You know, we sit down and Archie's like, mm, wine glasses. Yeah! Right? Because that's what kids do. So they were like, we're so really sorry we're here. And we, were, we could care less. We're like, man, who cares? These two, because that's what, that's what they do. We weren't, we weren't nervous, but they were kind of nervous, right? So Brandon's like, you know. <laughs> He's like trying to put pizza in, you know, he's like, Archie. But we didn't care. And I don't think one parent in the room cared because we've all been there. Goldie is awesome until we go out in public. She's like, mm, a lot of eyes on me, a lot of people looking at me. You know, it's like. <laughs> we don't see life as it is. We see life as we are. So the Apostle Paul says, guard your heart, guard the effect. Excuse me, not the Apostle Paul, but Solomon, but whatever, it's all in the Bible. Let me keep going. <laughs> Pay attention. Can we go back to it? Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. Let me explain your heart really quick. Your heart is, I'm not talking about this, this organ right here. I'm talking about what theologians call the intersection between your soul and your spirit. It's the deep place of who you are. It's the place you feel from. It's the place you think from. It's the place you process from. It's the place you, you, you hear from. How you hear things. Like, I don't know if you've ever been triggered. Y'all ever been triggered by, by a post or by something I've said, right? Or I just can't believe Pastor would say that. I know he's just talking to me. I just know he was highlighting. I just know he's. So I don't know you. I wasn't Facebook stalking. I have no idea what's going on in your life. I, but right, but we, <laughs> but you get triggered. It had nothing to do with the post that guard the innermost part of your, of your life. Why? For from there flows the wellspring of life. Whatever comes in is going out. Jesus said, out of the good treasure of a man's heart flows good things. Out of the evil treasure of a man's heart flows evil things. What's treasure? Anything you treasure. And you got to know when you're in a fight how to guard your heart. Because, see, there are things you can do that you can't do when you're in a fight. Like, I'm in an in intense level of spiritual warfare. I can't just go Netflix for the next three hours because I'm in a fight. Last week, I could have a glass of wine, but this week, I'm in a fight. And I think this week, a glass will turn into a bottle. Oh, y'all stuck up. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Leave me hanging. I, I, gotta, I gotta watch Instagram because right now, I'm in a fight. So what I, what I may normally be able to do I have to be careful right now. And, and the Apostle Paul says, put on a breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart. Put on the helmet of salvation to protect your ears. Because in this moment, you can't just talk to everybody. You can't just open up to everybody. You can't, you can't just let anything come into your eyes and into your heart. Because I'm in a fight. And when I'm in a fight, some things that I can normally do, I cannot do. So I've got to put on salvation like a helmet. I've got to put a breastplate of righteousness on because I'm in a fight. 
So number one, you have to protect yourself in a fight. But number two, you have to remind yourself who you are in a fight. Because righteousness is not just a decision. Righteousness is a gift from God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God made the only one, that's Jesus, who did not know sin to become sin. So that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. There was a great exchange. Jesus gave us his righteousness. We gave him our sin. Righteousness is a gift. You have to know this when you're in a fight. Because if you don't remember this, the moment you get in a spiritual fight, the enemy will say, you deserve this because of this, this, and this. So you got to remember who you are. Isaiah 61, 10. For he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. So God has clothed me in righteousness, but now I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I remind myself of what the Lord has already done in my life. Because on the day of evil, what the enemy's going to do is he's going to question your purpose, your identity, and your destiny. He's going to question your purpose, your identity, and your destiny. Matthew 4, 6. Jesus has been fasting and praying. And here's what the devil says. If you are the son of God. Well, why did he say that? Now, now we learned last week that as soon as the word goes forth, immediately Satan appears. That's Jesus' words. Immediately Satan appears. Okay. Jesus lived it. Because in Matthew 3, 17, Jesus gets water baptized called and anointed into ministry, and the Father says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. Okay. A couple of days later, Satan appears. So if you are the Son of God. Now notice this, notice. Satan almost quoted the Father, but not quite. Yeah, yeah, y'all tracking? The father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Satan says, if you are the son. See, because anytime the enemy talks, he'll give just enough truth that it almost sounds right. But it's just enough a lie to deceive you. A half truth is a full lie. That's probably just good to remember if you want friendships. Yeah? And it's the language of the enemy. The language of the enemy is never a full blatant lie. It masquerades in truth. Just enough that if you don't really know the word, you'll believe it. So if you don't, if you don't have a foundation, the enemy will give you just enough scripture that it sounds right, but it's totally wrong. So he says, if you are the son of God, no, I'm not just the son of God. I'm the beloved son of God in whom God loves and whom God is well pleased. And he does the same thing with you. Okay. If is the, devil, is the devil's badge of doubt. Look at that on the screen. If is the devil's badge of doubt. If. If you were really a Christian, you wouldn't act that way. <laughs> if you really had faith, you wouldn't be going through this. If you really believe God, you wouldn't be sick. 
If you really, if you really had faith, you wouldn't struggle. If you really loved your spouse, you wouldn't treat them that way. If you were really a man of God, you'd be a better father. Look, notice this. All of those things are kind of true-ish. Because he'll pull on your heartstrings into condemnation. Because you go, yeah, man, I should be a better dad. Dang it. But if always separates. If, if, you really, if you were really a Christian, you, you, would, you would act different. And you're, you're kind of going, yeah, like I really probably should be acting better. But the if word brings you right into condemnation. If is the devil's badge of doubt. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's always like this. I love you so much. You're doing great. T together, let's get better. Always empowerment, always towards freedom, always towards community, always towards the cross. Satan will say things like, man, if you, were, if you really love Jesus, you wouldn't struggle like this. Like if people really know who you were, you probably shouldn't go back to church. Like if Jabin and Shannon really knew what you struggled with, they, they wouldn't allow you on the team. No, we know exactly what you struggle with. You want to know why? Because we're human too. So we figure if we jacked up, y'all probably jacked up too. <laughs> Let's try to serve the city together. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that if thing will destroy you. Man, if you really love God, you'd be doing better. You probably shouldn't go back to church. See, I've never met anyone who left the church for this reason. You know what? I'm doing so good. I just so love God. I know so much about the Bible. We are crushing it in life. We don't need the church. I've never met that person. <laughs> People leave the church because they believe lies. I don't mean this church. I mean the church. There isn't room for me. No one would notice if I was gone. If they really loved me, they would have called. <sighs> if I was really valued, someone would have noticed. If they really had integrity, they would have, if, 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 and if always separates, and if it will always take you out of your call, and if will always take you out of community, and if will always take you out. And so God doesn't use that language. God uses, you're my beloved son. I'm well pleased. Now hold my hand because together we're going to move forward. So when I'm in a fight, I've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation that blocks out the enemy. I have to be careful what I'm allowing in because whatever I'm allowing in is definitely gonna flow out. And you have to be careful. And you have to recognize when you're in a fight that you have to take radical measures for seasons. Okay. Number three, the shoes of peace. Peace is a weapon, and peace will give you stability in a storm. The Bible says uh, that we are to put on these shoes of peace. Now, in Roman culture, these Roman soldiers, uh, like ladies, y'all seen those sandals? Some of y'all probably wearing them tonight. You know, they wrap all the way up around your ankle. What are those things called? Gladiators? Excuse me. Well, that's basically what these guys wore but it was, it was a large piece of leather 
with two-inch steel spikes that came out. Some of y'all would love these, huh? <laughs> these are fierce. And so uh, they would put them on the bottom of their foot, and then with a large leather band, they would wrap all the way around their feet, all the way around their ankle. And to this day, you can walk the streets of Rome or Jerusalem or anywhere where Rome had, had, a, had leadership in, in that day, and you will see the streets beaten up. And it's not from age. It's literally from these cleats that these guys would wear. So the Bible says we put on the shoes of peace, and what that peace does is you can dig your heels in and dig into the ground and stay and remain. So even when the world is going crazy around you, you have stability with the peace of God, and you're not losing ground just because you're in a fight. You're able to stay through the fight. Now, the best picture of peace I could find is Mark 4, 37, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling with water. But he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. I just love that Mark put in that he was in a pillow like little salty, but we're going to let him have it. I also love that Mark says this, and they woke him up. Like he's like, it wasn't me, guys. I was out praying in tongues, but they, I was believing God. I was quoting scripture, but they woke him up. <sighs> Teacher, do you not care we're perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? So I've said this for years. Peace is not a circumstance. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. He is what the Bible calls the Prince of Peace. The disciples were in their day of evil, there was a storm, and we know it was the day of evil. It wasn't from God because Jesus rebuked it. So if the storm was the will of God, Jesus would have been outside of the will of God rebuking it. <laughs> a lot of you just accept storms. Well, I just guess the Lord's working on me. No, rebuke the thing in Jesus' name. <laughs> okay. They're in the presence of life saying we're going to die. And they're in the presence of peace, full of fear. And look what they do. They accuse Jesus. Okay, what comes out of your mouth in a fight is who you really are. <sighs> your confession in a storm reveals your heart. You don't care. We're dying. Let me, tell you, let me tell you why I'm so intense, right? And I am, and I get it, and I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Let me tell you why, though. Because eventually you're going to face days like this. And so I need all of this to get on the inside of you so that in your day of evil, you're so full of the word that you don't go, God, you don't care. Your confession is Psalm 91, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. He's my God in whom I trust. Because trust and peace are always married. If you're lacking peace, you're lacking trust. 
And if you ever lack trust in God, you'll always lack peace. And they say, God, you don't even, Jesus, you don't even care. By the way, that is a form, this is prayer, right? What is prayer? Talking to God. This is prayer. So you can pray with zero faith. (laughs) And they say, God, you don't even care. And so Jesus wakes up. I love that Jesus was asleep. Jesus was not asleep because he didn't care. Jesus was asleep because he had peace. So Bill Johnson says, you have authority over any storm you can sleep through. (laughs) Thanks, Bill. You can sleep in the storm. I want to write a book, Snoring in the Storm. Come on, somebody. I feel it. It's a New York Times bestseller. You can snore in the storm because you can have so much peace on the inside that no matter what's going on on the outside, it doesn't, it doesn't shake you. And he gets up and he looks around and because he had peace on the inside and out of, out of the heart flows the issues of life, a river of peace flowed from his mouth and he said, peace, be still and the storm listened because peace is internal Peace is eternal, but it will always affect the external. That's why if you're ever on a boat and you get motion sickness, they tell you, look out on the horizon and find the unmovable thing. I feel like running right now. And so Hebrews 12 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the unmovable thing. And so I can be in a moving situation, a fluid situation, a I don't really know what's next situation and still have perfect peace because my eyes aren't on what's going on around me. My eyes are on the unmovable one. My eyes are on the horizon. My eyes are on the throne. It says peace. And so though the boat is moving, and the storm is raging. I dig my heels of peace in. And though everything around me is shaking, I'm unshakable. And this storm has come and this storm will go. And I will remain. And I will be stronger and I will be better. And, and when you're in it, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to end. Come on, somebody. But I'm so grateful for the shoes of peace because when you get on the other side of it, you look back and you go, oh, thank God I didn't jump ship. Thank God I didn't sign those divorce papers. Thank God I held on for my my life. Thank God I kept believing. Thank God I kept going to church. Thank God I kept reading my Bible. Thank God I kept believing God. Thank God I I kept going to my small group. Thank God I didn't run for my Christian community. Thank God. Because when I was in it, I just wanted to run. Peace out. I'm going to go do this my own way. But I thank God for the peace of God and I just held on. And the clouds break and the sun shines. And the waves calm. And you go, wow, I'm so grateful for these shoes. That's what peace will do. Circumstances crazy, but I got peace. Wind raging, but I got peace. Storm blowing, but I got peace. And I got it. 
Jesus gave it to me and I, and I chose to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. I had a breastplate of righteousness protecting my emotions and protecting the core of who I am. I put on the helmet of salvation, blocking out the noise of the enemy. And then I just held on. And I withstood the storm and I outlasted the attack. And now I have a story and a testimony. So now my life is not a story of defeat and lack. And I have a story of I made it through hell by the grace of God. Can you say amen tonight? Come on. Clap your hands. Give God praise. So, Father, release your peace tonight. We... We choose to trust you, believe you, believe in you. We choose tonight to remind ourselves of that breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation. We, we put these shoes back on tonight and we hold our ground. And we thank you that we will outlast the day of evil. We will stand firm. And we will have a testimony of your faithfulness. Give us the courage to believe, the strength to stand, and the faith to be patient through this season. Tonight we choose to guard our hearts so that out of it can flow the kind of life we really want. That's our prayer tonight in Jesus' name. And the church said amen.